When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's at stake for Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns heading into 2023? We all know how it is on the 40 acres, right? There is high pressure. When you got that Longhorn on your helmet, that's just how it is. We're going to unpack that. But take a deep breath. You made it. Let's have an absolute day. Talking college football here every single day. We're live right now, and we're glad to have you a part of it. You got a lot of things on your plate. You're at work. If you're at the gym, if you're babysitting, it's the favorite example I like to use. The kids will be okay. You got to talk some ball right now. Coach Luke Fickle about to join the program here in just a few short minutes. Talk to him about why Wisconsin was the right job for him. There's always buzz around Luke Fickle of he's going to take Notre Dame job. Is he going to wait for Ohio State to one day open up? Wisconsin snagged his services from Cincinnati. He ended up coaching the bowl game. We had a great conversation. Really appreciate him making the time. The Big 12 has a lot of good quarterbacks. But you know how we do it here. We're not just concerned with the starter. I want to know about your two deep. I want to know about the depth you got within that quarterback room. So we're not power ranking the starters. You know the drill. We're power ranking the quarterback rooms. It's, it's an interesting group. All right. And remember, BYU has now joined the party. Cincinnati's joined the party. UCF's joined the party. Houston's joined the party. All right. So the Big 12 now, it's got a few more teams to pick from. That was a whole lot of fun to break down. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, he ain't hard to find. They have started spring practice in Boulder, Colorado. And yes, they started practice. We'll talk about that in the future, not on today's show. I want to talk about his coaching style because there is a perception and a reputation that precedes Deion Sanders. But the way that he's operated so far, I've actually been pretty impressed with in terms of the structure he's put in place and some of the clips we've been able to see that have circulated the Internet and how he's operated from a detail-oriented standpoint. Man, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm fired up to talk about Coach Prime, fired to talk about some college football. Again, we're so glad you're here. I genuinely mean that. This is a privilege to have you all a part of this operation, to have you all at the party. We can't waste any more time. Let's get right to it. There's a lot of pressure on the 40 acres. There always is. Anytime you wear that logo on the helmet, you wear the burn orange, there's a lot of expectations. But in year three for Steve Sarkeesian, what's at stake? Let's zoom out even more. What's at stake for Texas as a program heading into 2023? I think the most obvious thing to talk about is where are they headed after 2023? The SEC, NFL Junior, translation, it ain't getting any easier. You're going to see Georgia soon. You're going to see Bama consistently sooner, more consistently than you are already. LSU, all those teams that just churn out NFL prospects, you're going to see them on an annual basis here pretty soon. So for Texas in 2023, I think the reputation is very much at stake. And I'm not talking about the goodwill of the program. I'm not talking about their, their status as a blue blood. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the perception with them on the recruiting trail. And I've laid this situation out for you here before, if you're familiar with what we do on this show. Think about the light you would put Texas in if they were to win six games next year. 
I'll take it a step further. Think about if you're a recruit, you're a high school kid, you got four or five stars next to your name, and Texas wins six games, and they were in your top five, and now after they won six games, and they're headed to the SEC, it's going to get more difficult. How do you then view the Longhorns? I think the knee-jerk reaction would be, huh, where's this thing going? You won six games in the Big 12, and not to dunk on the Big 12, but the Big 12 ain't the SEC, and that's not up for debate. So you wonder, okay, how competitive will they be? Two, you wonder, how long is Steve Sarkeesian going to be around? I'm not saying he gets fired with six games, or with six wins, rather. We'll talk more about that in a second. It's fair to, to wonder, okay, how, how solid is this situation? How stable is the coaching staff that's in place in Austin, Texas? Because that's a big deal to kids. It's a big deal to recruits. Playing four years for the coach that you commit to, is something that I don't think is, is a stretch to say that's preferable for most high school kids. Stability. Now, flip it on the other side. If Texas were to win 10 games and win the Big 12, well, I'm a high school kid. I'm saying, man, I want to be a part of that. And it's only year three, and they've recruited like that? They got a couple of top 10 classes. Just had a top three class in 2023 cycle. Where's this thing headed? This could just be the tip of the iceberg. I want in. Much less, it's in Austin, Texas. I can improve my brand. I could probably get some NIL dollars. Like, yo, I'm in, dude. Like, that, that would be the pitch you would like to make. But again, a lot of it hinges on this 2023 season. How they're perceived by high school recruits in the direction of the program. I think, I think that's a very real thing to talk about right now. Because Texas has recruited well. But in the day and age of the portal, guys can leave at the drop of a hat. And you and I both know, if the perception on the recruiting trail at the high school level for Texas takes a dip, it only takes one or two classes to get you off the rails. Just ask USC. Lincoln Riley is still overhauling that roster from what was happening there before he got there. So for Texas, what's at stake? Perception of your program. Perception headed to the SEC. That is what's at stake for Texas. That's one of the things at stake for Texas, at least. Really quick, make sure you're following me on Twitter, at Judy Pacquel. Make sure you're following me on Instagram, at Judy Pacquel. We appreciate y'all for that. Make sure you're subscribed here, though. Again, we appreciate y'all. All right, what else is at stake? You got the perception thing out of the way. Let's zoom in now. How about Quinn Ewers? I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, 2023 is a defining year for Quinn Ewers. Because think about his journey at the collegiate ranks. Leaves high school early, goes to Ohio State, transfers to Texas, and for Quinn Ewers, we've always known he's super talented. Like, what we saw this year, I don't think a reasonable person is deterred by the times he flashed, right? Like, we, we saw the really good at times with him. Against Oklahoma, put on an absolute clinic, passing out juice boxes and T-shirts after the game at the Red River Rivalry. Against Alabama, the first quarter, we were already to give him the Heisman Trophy. We are like, all right, Texas is back, let's roll. He's lighting him up in the first quarter. Then we also saw the really bad during the season. We saw the 30 incompletion game where he went 19 for 49. Yes, it's a real stat line against Oklahoma State. But think about it this way. There has always been a, yeah, but built in when it comes to Quinn Ewers. Hey, man, yeah, but he played really well at times against other competition this year. Yeah, but he's, you know, he's just, just getting acclimated to college football. Yeah, but he doesn't have a ton of experience around him. The offense was pretty young. They played a couple of freshmen on the offensive line. There's no more yeah, but when it comes to 2023 for Quinn Ewers. A lot of experience around him. Second year as a starting quarterback. Second year in the system. 
You've been in college now for three years. You chopped the mullet off. There's, there's no yeah, but built in. And on top of that, there's no perfect situation that exists in college football anywhere. Bryce Young, for my money, the best player in the NFL draft. He didn't have a ton of help around him. At the offensive coordinator spot, at least, if you ask Alabama fans, they think there should have been more done for him in that regard. Right? C.J. Stroud against Michigan. Defense didn't hold up their end of the bargain. There's no more yeah, but for anybody. But for Queen Ewers this year, I really believe we define him as a college football player going forward. For the reasons I just said. No more yeah, but with him. And also, behind him, guess who they got? Arch Manning. So I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of patience with Queen Ewers if this year doesn't go the way that you expect it to on the 40 acres. So I'll just say this. 16's got to play at some point, man. Like, is he going to wait two years? If Queen Ewers isn't emphatically your starter next year, or he's not gone to the NFL even a step further next year, What's that conversation like? If he has to come back for another year at Texas, I think something went wrong in 2023. I'll leave it at that. Now, here's what's not at stake. Because we like to talk about all the pressure and the expectations at Texas, and those are all fair. I think we should talk about those things. But here's what's not at stake in my mind. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian's job is at stake. I, I really don't. And here's why. Maybe the public approval rating goes down for Steve Sarkeesian. But if you make the Big 12 title game, if you just show progress, if you win 10 games and don't win the Big 12, I don't know how you fire the guy. Because here's the thing. You have just now built back up to where you're now able to do something at Texas. Year one was a whole clean it out kind of situation. Bad culture. Didn't have the personnel you needed at key positions. It was a clean it out, take your lumps. We miss a bowl game kind of operation. Year two, it was a build it back up. Let's get to where we can be competitive. And they did just that. Won eight games with a first-year quarterback. Year three, it's like, all right, it's time to do something. So you're telling me, at his first swing, at being able to potentially do something in college football with this team, you're just going to give him one year? Like, they've been in negative so long, they're just now getting back to neutral and competing for positive, if you're looking at the spectrum of what Texas is as a college football team. You're only going to get him one year when he's at neutral? They've been fighting to get back to neutral. So, for me, I think you give Steve Sarkeesian at least two years. you got to show some promise this year is the contingency. And next year has to be a knockout. Like, this year, if you can make the Big 12 title game, for me, that's the big one. Just make the deal. If we're winning six games... We maybe have a different conversation, but I don't believe it is a win the Big 12 or firing Steve Sarkeesian. It doesn't make any sense. I'll put it to you this way. Are you really firing Steve Sarkeesian before the Arch Manning era begins? Like, don't get it twisted. I'm sure Arch Manning loves Austin. I'm sure he loves Texas. I'm sure he loves the guys that he came in with. Arch Manning committed to Steve Sarkeesian. He committed to Texas, yeah, but he committed to Steve Sarkeesian. He committed to the development and the QB guru that is Steve Sarkeesian. So if you fire him before Arch Manning even touches grass, I think that would be a little bit knee-jerky. So that's my two cents on Texas. I think there's obviously a lot at stake, but I would be a little bit slower on the draw to say that Steve Sarkeesian's job is somehow in jeopardy if they don't win the Big 12. Still expecting big things because when you invest how Texas does, when you put in as much as they do, you expect to get something out of it. It's the way this thing works, but we'll keep an eye on Texas as spring football continues to roll on. Speaking of spring football, 
Wisconsin Badger head coach Luke Fickle joined the program. We've got to talk to him about why is Wisconsin the right job for you? A lot of people have been beating down your door over the last few years. Why now? Why Wisconsin? Was kind enough to answer that. Also, I just love that he coached in the bowl game. That kind of went under the radar. But Luke Fickle shows up and he's like, all right, I'm coaching this thing. Let's go, let's go beat Oklahoma State. And they did beat Oklahoma State. Been active in the portal. Got to pick his brain about the operation within Wisconsin, what we can expect from them going forward. Stay tuned for this last question, too, because we got to ask him about jump around, and he was sensational. So without further ado, here's the head man at Wisconsin, Coach Luke Fickle. We are now joined by the head coach of Wisconsin football, Coach Luke Fickle. Coach, appreciate you making some time for us. How are we doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you. It's uh, You probably can't see it, but the, the sun's shining. It's 50-some degrees out here, so uh, things things can't get much better. That's what I heard. It's about it's about spring break time there in Wisconsin. Like The temperature's warming up a little bit. It's a good time to be in Madison, it sounds like. Well, it is, but uh, there might still be a little bit of frozen lakes out there somewhere. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm new to this area, so I'm, I'm not sure how that's all. If, if the sun comes out and we start this, does it? Do we still get a few of these other days here and there that uh, maybe may look a little bit different? But uh, I'm hopeful. Well, that kind of leads perfectly into the first thing I wanted to ask you about. What made Wisconsin the right job for you? Well, I think... There's a lot of reasons. I think timing is, is a big deal. Uh, I do, I really believe in even timing for me and my family, um, but I also think timing for where college football is too. Um, I just, I've, you know, I've obviously grew up a Big Ten guy. I, I love the Big Ten. I've always believed that's where I would want to be. Um, but I think in, in how college football is going too, if you're not in the Big Ten, maybe the SEC as well. I mean, then, then who knows what you're gonna, where you're going to be in the next few years. So that had a lot to do with it. The town of Madison and, and, you know, what it provides for not just for me as a in my profession, but also for my family was a big deal. And then from afar, knowing or thinking I know a lot about the culture of what this program has been and, and what has driven this program and what's made them great. I've always I just believe it was a really good fit. And um, those are probably three of the top things that um, you know, when this thing came available and, and became something that could be a reality. It was, it was a, it was a no brainer for me and the family. Coach, you're sort of in that dues paying period of the college football calendar where you get winter conditioning and the workouts are brutal and you're not yet touching the football, but what have you learned about your team so far through this winter conditioning phase? Well, <laughs> I think even more so that through that, through that bull prep uh, phase, you know, and, and even coming in and just doing interviews with the kids the you know, what they, how they feel about this program, you know, how much love they have for all that they've done here. And I know last year was a tougher year, but if you look at it, there's only a hand, maybe four or five guys that, uh, that really transferred out and probably only two, two since the time I, I got here or our, our, our new staff got here. And I think what that shows is there's been a great culture here. I think they really do love, you know, all things about not just Badger football, but about Madison and Wisconsin and the university. So, I think for me, that was probably the initial, like, how are we going to win this first month? How are we going to, how are you going to win? What, uh, what does a win look like in the first month of, of this new job? And yes, it had to do with winning a bowl game, but it had a lot more to do with, you know, winning the, you know, in the relationship world and, and keeping the nucleus and the core um, of what we had here in the program. And coach, there's an awesome 
clip out on the Wisconsin football Twitter page where you basically are talking to your team after a team workout and just emphasizing the importance of, hey, we got to finish in the fourth quarter. We got to, when we have these teams dead to rights, we, we want to make sure that we get out of there with a W. How do you go about attacking that during spring football? Well, you got to find ways. And that's what, uh, you know, I think you do that in the winter as well. I think those are the, the you know, kind of the, the gist of what our strength program is all about. You know, it's not just about, hey, bench press, squat, 40-yard dashes. It's about, hey, how, how do we find ways to challenge every one of our guys, put them into a situation where they're going to have to perform at the very end. And we're going to have to find ways in the spring to, you know, it's the simple ways of saying, hey, it's overtime, you know, but, but just finding ways that, hey, everything is about finishing. What's it going to be like at the end of practice? I don't care who wins the start of practice. I don't care who wins the middle of practice. But how are we going to create something that can be, you know, evaluated in, in know, whether it's scored or, you know, be a clear-cut winner to how you perform um, when it's needed most, meaning that fourth quarter, meaning the end of the, you know, the end of the spring practice, the end of the spring in general. So a lot of things are kind of focused around, hey, how do we continue to understand what, what fight looks like, especially in the, you know, in the last few minutes. When a lot of people think about historically Wisconsin offenses, they think ground to pound, they think playing in the trenches, which I'm sure y'all will still do, but you went out and hired Phil Longo. What was the thought process in bringing in someone like him that runs his kind of high pass percentage offense? <laughs> well, I'm not sure that that percentage changed a little bit. I mean, we have some standards. Uh, no, it, it's about people. And I think that more than anything, my, my time spent with Coach Longo over the last five, six years, um, I recognize what uh, great coaches look like and, and um, regardless of what they're labeled as, whether they're you know, an air raid guy or they're a ground and pound guy, but great coaches know that they've got to be able to adjust the gap based on the things that, a, that they have and what they need to do to be successful. And from being around him, I just knew if this was a good fit for him, you know, um, that he would find a way to whatever we needed to do to be successful offensively. That means we got to throw it and we got to throw it. You know, we got to understand what the, you know, what gives us a chance to be great. Um, and we're still trying to evaluate that. I think that's what I love about even, even coach Longo and even us defensively, Mike Trestle, like, you know, we've been very successful for what we've done defensively, but it's not about what we do. And it's not about what we know. It's about like, it's about players and you've got to be able to use the strengths of the things you've got. You've got to be able to embrace the, you know, some of the, you know, the history and the, the culture of the things that they've done here. Um, and be able to evolve as well. So for Coach Longo, I just, I got it. I knew it that uh, intelligent, smart people, great coaches uh, can adapt and adjust to whatever we need to do. And sticking in the theme of being it all about the people and all about the players, y'all went and added 13 players via the portal. What was the thought process for your staff around talent acquisition via the transfer portal? Well, we don't want to be a huge portal team, to be honest with you. I mean, that we weren't like that or didn't have that philosophy, you know, at Cincinnati, just because, you know, we want to be able to bring in young guys. We want to be able to recruit them. We want to be able to retain them and develop them. Um, we came in a situation where, okay, they had had maybe 10 commits. I didn't feel like we should run out there and just try to sign, you know, you know, 22 high school kids, like might be our philosophy. So we signed 14 high school kids. We knew we kind of had some freedom to, you know, look at you know what was going to happen come December 5th. Um, and then we just kind of went about it the, the way that uh, we thought was best for the program. We got a little bit better assessment of where we are and what we needed 
based on numbers. Um, obviously, I thought we were a little bit down numbers-wise at wide out, so we had to kind of, you know, get some more bodies in there. And then, obviously, the quarterback situation. Um, so it became something. It was we knew it was going to be something we were going to look into. Uh, you know, and the good thing about even those transfer guys, I think, if you said 13 of them, I think uh, nine of them have three or more years to continue to play. So I look at those guys that we got a chance to retain and develop, you know, over a period of time as well. And one of those transfers that a lot of people are going to be watching very closely as we get into the fall is your quarterback, Tanner Mordecai. What has been your impressions of him thus far? I, I like to try to hold my opinions for, for a while. Um, but I, I can, I mean, I, I am really excited. Obviously, I knew, we knew Tanner from, a, from afar as well, playing against him for the last few years um, when he was at SMU and we were at Cincinnati. Um, but so far, he's exceeded the expectations as a leader, um, as a worker, as a guy that's going to embrace, you know, everybody around him. Um, he's exceeded my expectations and all those things. I'm not saying he's the, the quarterback yet. I'm not saying he, you know, he's got all the offense and he can, but, the intangible things um, for a guy walking in the door that's going into his sixth year that's done this before, uh, he has been incredibly impressive uh, on all the things that I would have back. Now, most coaches, when they take a new job and their new team has a bowl game, kind of spectate, sit back, maybe take some notes. You said, nope, tag me in. I'm coaching the bowl game. What was the reason behind that? Well, I'd see it done the other way. And, and it had been a part of the process of it being done the other way and um, just didn't feel like it was a great thing for the, for the kids, for the, for the culture of the program, for the, you know, for all those that were involved. It might have been the best thing for the coaches or, or the new coach, but I didn't feel like it was the best thing for the program and the kids. And so, you know, obviously times are changing and there's so many opportunities out there for these guys, if, you know, if they want to make some changes. So in order to win that first month, I thought it was critical to retain and maintain as much as we possibly could from what they've done here in the last, you know, not saying 25 years, but in particular the last three or four years. And so not just to gain the trust and respect of those kids, but to gain the trust and respect of there were so many former players on this coaching staff to, and, and Jim Leonard in particular, because I knew those guys would have a, a direct impact on, you know, us moving forward and how a lot of these guys would look at you know, this new crew coming in. And so it was really critical for me to kind of get outside my comfort zone and spend a you know month with uh, a bunch of guys that, you know, I didn't know and probably weren't going to be around a whole lot. But I thought it was the most important thing to build relationships and to try to maintain the nucleus of this program. Coach, what's going to be the mark of a Luke Fickle coach Wisconsin football team? A team that can finish. I think if we look back at, you know, some of the successes we had, especially at, at Cincinnati, I think when we were best, you know, we were a team that could finish, you know, that meant get the ball, get the thing to the fourth quarter in the first, you know, year two, three and four, that was all it was about, you know, in particular two and three, get it to the fourth quarter. We're going to be out tough. We're going to be out mentally tough, uh, everybody else. And, and we had success because of that. And so, you know, we're not going to define what success looks like, but I think more than anything, um, our ability to finish, our ability to play our best ball, not just at the end of the season, but the end of games, uh, is going to be really critical. And we've got to find ways, like you asked before, how do you train that? How do you really, really train that so that your guys are going to be at their best when it's you know, most important? Coach, last question for you before we get you out of here. Really appreciate all your time. 
What can we expect from you that first home game against Buffalo when Jump Around comes on at Camp Randall? <laughs> well, I, I'm just going to be happy I'm not in the press box again because I've been <laughs> on the other side of that one time when I was in the press box, and I don't know that I felt real comfortable as that thing kind of shook a little bit. But um, I think that might be the first time I kind of take a deep breath, uh, try to look around and, and soak in um, – how special this place is, how special the, you know, I know what college football's like. I know what the Big Ten's like, but to have never been on this sideline with that kind of energy and, and be able to actually enjoy that, um, no matter what the situation of the game, I've told myself, I'm going to take that step back. I'm going to, you know, enjoy that moment and uh, kind of reflect a little bit on how hard, you know, you've worked to get to this point and then, uh, and then, Forget it because it's the fourth quarter, and that's the most important thing that we said that we've got to be able to do. Without a doubt. Well, Coach, again, we appreciate all your time. We're excited to watch y'all get after it here in the spring, and hopefully we'll be able to be there at some point in time in the near future when Jump Around comes on at Camp Randall. But we appreciate you, Coach. Well, you know you're more than welcome anytime. So uh, we won't be doing it in the spring, but we'll get you here at our game if you want for sure. Sounds great. Appreciate you, Coach. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Luke Fickle, man, one of the best in the business. Again, a phenomenal conversation. We appreciate him making the time to sit down with us. Nick, I hope we can take him up on that invitation to get to Camp Randall. Talk to somebody actually on the Wisconsin strength staff last night. They said if we get down there, man, we get in the weight room. All right, so maybe we'll, we'll get into some of that in the fall. But it's on Wisconsin to make that happen, all right? So the ball is very firmly in their court. We've done a lot of these videos in terms of power ranking quarterback rooms across the conferences, and y'all have responded phenomenally. So being the people show, y'all tell us we want more of this, so we do more of it. Let's move to the Big 12. I need to reiterate this. I say this at the beginning of every segment we do with this kind of video. One, these are subject to change. You could come back to this very same channel, this very same show after spring ball could have a totally different top five. Two, with what we have here, it's not just the starters. It's not just your starting quarterback. So don't get in the comments and say, well, this starting quarterback is better than that starting quarterback. I hear you. That might be true. But what about your backup? What happens if plan A goes down? All right. So without further ado, let's jump into it. The top quarterback rooms in the Big 12 Conference. At number five, we got a newcomer, y'all. Cincinnati has joined the Big 12, and I believe they have one of the top five quarterback rooms in this conference. Who do they have in there, you ask? Well, they have Ben Bryant, who's back for his 73rd college football season through 35 touchdowns and 14 picks in the last two seasons. So you got some experience there. You know who else is actually in that room? This might come as a shock to you. Remember Emory Jones, who was at Florida for a period of time? Then he was at Arizona State for a period of time. Didn't really end up working out there. He's now at Cincinnati. I fully expect a quarterback derby to go down at Cincinnati this, this spring ball into fall camp. Here's what I would say. Emory Jones left a lot to be desired production-wise. Like, I don't think we're saying anything crazy here. 26 touchdowns and 17 picks in the last two seasons. That's not great. But let's not forget, Emory Jones started for a period of time, at least out of camp, over Anthony Richardson. Yes, the same Anthony Richardson that scouts are currently salivating over, and you have some people out of left field talking about him being the top pick in the entire draft. Now, we don't buy that here, but the point remains the same. Anthony Richardson, a good quarterback. Emory Jones, at a period of his college career, was perceived to be the better quarterback. 
Now, it hasn't played out on the field how you would like it to, but at the very worst for Cincinnati, I think they're capable. At best, maybe one of these guys flourishes in the new staff and, and they find a way to play their best football this coming season, even though we've seen a fair amount of what they can do already. At the very worst, they're capable. Are they the best quarterback room in the Big 12 for my money? No, that's why I have them at number five. But top five, nothing to sneeze at as they are transitioning to the Big 12 conference. At number four, man, this is a fun one. This might come as a shock to you. Number four, we got the Kansas Jayhawks. Here's what I would say about Kansas. Don't let branding fool you. Like, I know it's March. I know Kansas is a basketball school. I feel that. I think that's still true. But you look at what they have in that quarterback room. They got Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean. Let's start with Daniels. Y'all, for the first month and a half of the season, we cannot overlook that this man single-handedly was one a Heisman Trophy candidate. Started out as kind of a joke. Everyone's talking about Kansas being America's team, and they very much were. He was the quarterback for America's team. And the other piece, he got college game day to come to Lawrence, Kansas. Y'all, we cannot overstate the impressive nature of that. He's back for another season. You hope he stays healthy this time around. And when he went down, Jason Bean came in the game and won some ball games for you. Was he elite? Uh, I want to go that far. 14 touchdowns, though, to four picks. I feel good about Jason Bean going in the game if something were to happen to Jalen Daniels if he can't go for you. So do you have two all-world options? No, but you have two pretty decent options, in my opinion. Two guys that you feel good about starting a game for you. Now, Jalen Daniels has set the bar pretty high for an encore of what he's going to do in 2023. But I'm just saying, don't sleep on Kansas now. You look across the conference, I don't know if there is a too deep that is substantially better than what they have there. Now, obviously, the rest of this list, I believe, is better than what they have there. But let's not let the branding of what Kansas is historically cloud the judgment of what they have in that quarterback room. Because I believe it's pretty solid. So Kansas coming in at number four. At number three, got the Kansas State Wildcats. I want to talk about them, but really quickly, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following me on Instagram and on Twitter, at Judy Pakel. We appreciate y'all for that. All right, at number three, we got Kansas State. Like I was saying, Kansas State, to me, just has the hardware, a Big 12 title, that is, to validate their starting quarterback in Will Howard. And you got the stars, from a recruiting standpoint, to get you juiced about the future in Avery Johnson. And no, I'm not talking about former Dallas Mavericks head coach Avery Johnson. I'm talking about four-star quarterback Avery Johnson. In-state product Avery Johnson. Said he wants to stay home. Jake Rubley is also in the room. But let's go back to Will Howard for a second. He came in, started five games for you, more or less. 15 touchdowns, two picks in that stretch. And oh, by the way, has a big 12 title to show for it. I'm optimistic about what he could be if he gets a full offseason as the starter. Because remember, he wasn't even the guy last year. Going into game one, it was Adrian Martinez's show. And we were all talking about Adrian Martinez maybe being a Heisman Trophy guy. Will Howard, I think, brings something to the table there vertically that they haven't really seen as frequently in the Little Apple. I'm excited about Will Howard and what he's going to bring to the table. Now, behind him, like I said, Jake Rubley is there. But I get excited about Avery Johnson. Four-star kind of kid. To put it simply, again, as has been a theme with this segment, we're trusting Charles Power. Director of Scouting and Ranks for On3, we're trusting him, we're trusting his assessment, and he's high on Avery Johnson. If Charles Power is buying Avery Johnson, we're buying Avery Johnson too. So Kansas State, for us, the third best quarterback room in the Big 12. 
Now, here's where we're going to hurt some feelings. Here's where it gets a little bit tense. The number two quarterback room for me is the University of Texas. You got Quinn Ewers, you got Archman, you got Malik Murphy. Here's what I would say for Texas. We have a lot of the good folks in Austin right now that I am sure just said, what are you, get this guy out of here. Like just absolutely getting emotional about them being at number two as opposed to being at number one. You disagree with my ranking? Fair. You also wouldn't trade who you have in-house for what Oklahoma has in-house. We'll get to Oklahoma in a second. Quinn Ewers flashed multiple times. Chopped the mullet. He's all business now, right? I just need to see it consistently. I said it before earlier in this live show. I'm excited about Quinn Ewers. I think you could make a case for Quinn Ewers being the most talented quarterback in this entire conference. Again, that's talent. That's not proven. Was somewhere in the range of 15 touchdowns to six picks this year. You saw the really good against Alabama. You saw the really good against Oklahoma. You also saw him throw 30 incompletions against Oklahoma State. Now, it was his first year in the saddle. I believe Quinn Ewers football is still ahead of him. But from what he hasn't proven is why I don't have them higher on this list. But if we're ranking it off talent, very strong case for Texas to be number one. Because behind Quinn Ewers, again, one of the most talented, if not the most talented in this conference, you have Arch Manning. Listen, man, your last name's Manning. Some weight to that. There's some excitement around that. He was a five-star here for us at On3. Translation, he is projected or he is trending towards being what we believe to be a first-round draft pick when his time comes. So the most talented player, most talented quarterback, rather, in the Big 12 in Quinn Ewers, and a projected first-round draft pick, according to the stars, if we're correlating that accordingly, in Arch Manning as your backup. Malik Murphy also, we can't overlook him, man. If he gets back on the field, I think him and Arch Manning are going to have an absolute duel for that QB2 spot. That's the quarterback battle to watch in Austin. National media, the clickbait kind of people, they'll tell you Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers is a quarterback battle. I'll just put this out there right now. We don't do clickbait, and if we did, we would push that narrative hard. Okay, but getting back to the thesis here, Texas is at number two, but the good folks in Austin, they're not trading who they have in this room for anybody. We respect you for that. Now, at number one, got the Oklahoma Sooners. For me, Dylan Gabriel, being QB1, you just know what you're going to get. You just know what you're going to get with him. He's played a lot of football, accounted for 31 total touchdowns last year, both running and throwing. Six interceptions. He's solid. They are a drastically better team with him on the field, which isn't saying a ton, but you saw when he went out of the game against TCU, and they were, I mean, they were already in a rough spot in that game, but they just looked lost. Dylan Gabriel, I think if he takes even another step under Jeff Lebby, they could be a problem in that conference. They will be a problem in that conference already. But for, for Dylan Gabriel, I truly believe he's a top 10 quarterback in college football. Mic drop, period, the end, underlined it. Dylan Gabriel, from my money, a top 10 quarterback in college football. Quinn Ewers could get there, but he hasn't done it on tape just yet for me. Now, behind Dylan Gabriel, much like at Texas, you have another five-star in Jackson Arnold. And Jackson Arnold was the Gatorade National Player of the Year. They're very excited about him and Norman. So to pair a top 10 quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, and again, another guy that we project, according to our star system, to translate to a first-round caliber kind of player in the NFL draft, that's good enough for the, for the top spot in this Big 12 quarterback room power rankings. 
Texas and Oklahoma, they're fine with who they have. They wouldn't trade either or. For me, I give Oklahoma the edge because I just know more about Dylan Gabriel. I've seen him do it. Quinn Ewers has got a lot of juice. He's got more potential than Dylan Gabriel. But until it translates, what is that potential? Dylan Gabriel, for me right now, I just feel better about as the top quarterback in this conference. So there you have it for us at number five. The quarterback room that we have there is the newcomer, Cincinnati. At number four, we got Kansas. Don't let branding confuse you here. Got some good quarterbacks in Lawrence, Kansas. Staying in state. At number three, go to Manhattan, Kansas. We got Kansas State. At number two, we got Texas. And they wouldn't trade anybody for who we have at number one in the Oklahoma Sooners. So a very deep quarterback room across the conferences or across deep quarterback rooms across the conference, what I'm trying to tell you. And uh, we're excited to watch them duke it out. Again, that list is subject to change, and it's not predicated on just your starter. So we appreciate you rocking with us there. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. Shout out to the podcast. Shout out to everybody that's watching right now. Whether you're at work, like I say, whether you're working out, we're just glad to have you a part of this, man. This is an absolute blast, and we don't take it for granted. Coach Prime. And Colorado have started spring practice. Coach Prime has said he's coming. You're going to have to deal with him when the games get here. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the future. Like there's a ton to break down as they actually get into padded practices and more scrimmages and what Trudor Sanders is going to be. We'll talk about Colorado, believe you me. But I want to talk about Coach Prime's coaching style. Because college football, really life in general, is about your process. It's about what are you doing that you can control. Con control the controllables is what you hear coaches say a lot. What are the controllables that Coach Prime is honing in on? Because there's a video that's circulating Twitter, the Twitter sphere, if you will, where Coach Prime walks into a lift and he sees one of his players wearing the wrong kind of socks, throws him out of the lift. And there's a, there's a reputation for Coach Prime that some people believe he just does it for the cameras. He just is operating a certain way to have a, a perception out there. Y'all, you throw a kid out of a college lift, you're not doing that for cameras. You're doing that because that's important to you. That's one of the details that you're honing in on. And some people are like, why are you throwing him out for, for the wrong socks? Big deal. Go tell him to change his socks and come back. Y'all, this is actually impressive to me about Deion Sanders. This to me tells me that he gets the process and the details and the standard that it takes to win football games. Now, obviously, I've never been a head college football coach, but I would tell you this, I've been around him, and Matt Rule was the exact same way. And Matt Rule took Baylor from ground zero to playing for a Sugar Bowl. If I can't trust you to wear the right socks in a team lift, something that has nothing to do with the weather, nothing to do with your attitude, just has to come down to are you disciplined enough, do you care enough, to do what I'm asking of you. If you can't wear the right socks during a team lift, I can't trust you to run the right route on fourth and two to win the game, right? It's as simple as that. It's like some karate kid kind of stuff. You got to do the monotonous to eventually do the flashy things on the field. Coach Prime, according to this situation, seems pretty concerned with the monotonous, which I appreciate and I think is going to bode well. Make sure you subscribe to this Twitter to, to me on Twitter, but make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel because we talk ball here every single day. We love you all for tuning in. So make sure you're locked in there. Again, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at JD Pakel. Now, here's what I was going to say about Coach Prime. Relentless with the details. As I said before, Coach Matt ruled the exact same way. 
you're going to have to earn every single thing you get within that locker room, within that program, if you will. One other example of that, they're not giving them jersey numbers. So you earn it. Saying if you, you want to be a part of this, you want to wear the, the jersey, you want to wear the helmet, you want to be a college football player here at Colorado, you got to earn it. And I love that. The reason why I love that is because it, it tells me that this is not going to be a program where you just show up and you're, you're on the team. You're, you just show up and things happen for you. Again, some of that is perception with Deion Sanders because he went to Jackson State, flipped that thing around, put a lot of money into that program, it sounds like, which it sounds like it needed and he blessed them. But at Colorado, it's like, hey, man, we won one game. You haven't earned anything. You haven't earned anything. I want to make you earn everything here. You earn it in practice, a jersey number, you're eventually going to have the right wiring and processing internally within your team to understand you have to earn what happens on the field. He has another quote where he's talking during a practice, and there's a lot of good content out there, sort of behind the scenes with Colorado football, and a player comes out with a backplate. Deion Sanders is like, we, we won one game last year. We want to look good. No, you haven't earned that. You haven't earned any of this. That's exciting to me. To put it all simply for you, I believe that Deion Sanders is what Colorado football needs. Now, what Deion Sanders is bringing to the table may not be what every program needs. Like, I don't know if Deion Sanders walks into, let's just use Texas, for example. I don't think they need to have the Deion Sanders approach. But Colorado, I mean, you win one game, you are in need of structure. You are in need of discipline. You are in need of direction. And Coach Prime saying, we're going to dress a certain way. You're going to earn everything you get. And we're going to make sure we earn whatever we get here from a jersey number to wins on the field. That excites me. Now, will it translate in year one? I don't know. We're going to see. We're not calling our shot here in Colorado just yet. Like I said, there's a lot of contingencies. One of the big ones being, what does Shadour Sanders do for you at quarterback? But in terms of the coaching style, the structure, the discipline, the direction, I think he's training this team the right way. So I'm excited to see how it translates. But behind closed doors, the little that we are getting to see with Coach Prime, I think it shows a lot of promise. So that's how we feel about Colorado, but we'll keep an eye on Coach Prime. We'll talk more about spring ball as they get more and more into it. I'll promise you there will be no shortage of storylines when it comes to what they're bringing to the table. But nonetheless, excited to see what goes on there in Colorado as they get rolling. I believe FanDuel came out, has them at four and a half wins. Interesting. Some people leaning hard on the over. Some people leaning hard on the under. It is what it is. But we put out a question on my Twitter page, and it wasn't about Colorado's win total. It could be about Colorado, honestly, if you wanted it to be. But I just posed the question, listen, spring football is here. Let's have some college football therapy. What is the major concern for you as spring ball gets on and popping? We got a lot of great answers. So now to break it all down, bringing on the keeper of the queue, pride of Owensboro, Kentucky. You know him. You love him. Your mother's favorite producer, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, my man? JD, my friend, it's good to see you. Good to see um, you, bro. So, you, like you said, you asked, what's your biggest concern for your college football team heading into spring ball? Uh, first one we've got comes from G. Joslin. Jaden Daniels being able to convert, convert vertical shots consistently. Uh, that's the concern, at least for LSU. That's fair. that's fair. I mean, listen, we had Brian Kelly on, the head coach of the LSU Tigers. He brought the juice. And that was one of the things he talked about. He didn't say it quite like this, but we talked about it during the season. Jaden Daniels has a lot of playmakers on the outside of LSU. 
there's a certain point where the, the football speak is, Nick, you got to unhitch the wagon. Like you and I both know, if you are pulling a wagon behind you with your car, you can still cover some ground. You can eventually get there, but you can't really open it up and go fast yet, right? I mean, you can't really hit full throttle on what you could be. You can't hit your full potential yet if you don't unhitch the wagon. You got to stop holding yourself back. And he did a great job taking care of the football last year. I think LSU fans would take an interception or two more if Jane Daniels is just willing to uncork it a little bit. So that's what I think. I 100% agree with you. It has to happen. And I'll just say this. If he doesn't do it, and I don't think LSU fans feel this way right now. I don't feel this way right now, quite frankly. But behind him, you have somebody who absolutely will cut it loose in Garrett Nussmeyer, potentially even cut it loose too much. So kind of a funny dichotomy you have in the LSU quarterback room. But I'm with you. Fair concern. Brian Kelly's worried about that too. So be encouraged. Great question, though. Great question by Jocelyn, Nick. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, next one. <laughs> this is a good this is a good name so they've got uh their their name is at doc underscore texas their mm. their name though is imagine losing 49 to nothing um yep it's a brand new joke you know that's totally original <laughs> rat poison is what they say um is their greatest concern jd can you provide context because i'm pretty baffled at the yeah moment. man this so, so this is doc texas yes he is one of the dons in my eyes, of Texas Twitter, Texas Longhorn football Twitter. And this is a very fair point because, Nick, we talk about it, the expectations on Texas, the branding of Texas, and, and quite frankly, the fan base puts a lot of pressure on Texas. And now with how well they've recruited and Queen Ewers coming back, it kind of feels like the stars are starting to align. And that's why we talked about what's at stake for Texas earlier in the show. There's going to be a lot of people that want to feed them the rat poison, as Nick Saban calls it. For those of you that aren't familiar, really quick summary of what rat poison is. Rat poison is essentially people saying good things about you that you listen to, you start to believe. And when you start to believe all these good things about yourself, what happens? Your attention to detail starts to lag. Your effort in practice could start to lag because you're already believing all the good things. You say, ah, I'm already this, that, and the other because they're saying that about me, so I believe it. So why don't you to go 110% at practice? That's a sort of a, a quick summary of what that means. But at Texas, that's something they got to guard against. I don't feel overly concerned about that for Texas because if they had won a New Year's Six Bowl game, maybe you have that conversation. If they had won the Big 12 or played in the Big 12 title game, maybe you worry about all the, all the juice. But I think there's still a lot of people around the country that are talking down on Texas, that are sort of disrespecting Queen Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian. So... There will be some rat poison. There will be more rat poison if they start winning some games here early. But Doc Texas, man, appreciates you contributing yep. to the party. Absolutely. A friend of the program, without a doubt. Since, since the independent day, has been a friend of the program. Awesome. But, yep, Doc Texas, that's my thoughts on that, brother. Well, J.D., and A.B. Bailey in the chat was saying very similar um, stuff, saying his biggest concern is just can Texas be consistent, So, and which is another part of the mind game of, of football uh, consistency is. But, J.D.? I think we're going to have a good season in uh, in Austin. Man, I hope we get there. Yeah, I'd love to go down. Let Maybe. me set the, let me set the scene for you, man. You and me on Lake Travis. Just <laughs> just it's a Friday before the game. Texas is playing insert whoever you want to there. Mm -hmm. Battle the, I mean, I would I'm just telling you, dude, we'll go down, we'll hit the Oasis. Kind of I mean, I I've been around. I didn't live in Austin obviously, but I, I hour and a half away from where I was in Waco, Texas. Austin's a cool city, man. I think you would like it. I'll just leave it at that. I'd I think you would go. like it. I'd love to go, and I'd love to go catch a game. A lot of good movie theaters in Austin, Texas. Hey, that's too. great. We can go catch a movie. We can go watch uh, Austin FC. You yeah, know, Major League Soccer okay. team. 
and then we can uh, watch the Longhorns. That sounds like a, a weekend. <laughs> it's a date. It's a date, my Lock friend. it in. Hey, another day. I'll see you on Tuesday. How's that? Sounds good, brother. Again, Nick Brake, keeper of the queue. Looking fresh today in the sweater, man. Everybody on podcast, we appreciate you, but you're missing out on seeing Nick Brake. Dressing to the nines, as he always does. But listen, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. In all seriousness, this is an absolute blast. Quick word of caution. There's a lot of different outlets, and I'm not here to throw shade, but I'm just saying right now there's a lot of people manufacturing content. Be careful of the clickbait, okay? The clickbait is not going to factor into your actual product on the field, okay? So just, I'm just going to, that's all I'll say. Just be aware of, of the clickbait. We don't need any of that around here, okay? So to, to make sure you avoid that, lock it in right here. Make sure you're subscribed, and the party's going to keep rolling on as it always does. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. As I had just said before, we're going to keep the party rolling and we will see y'all next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.